Hello friends and welcome to Monday's Kings of Anglia podcast and it's a very happy Monday. It finds us with Ipswich Town top of the League One table. They beat Blackpool, thrashed Blackpool, rocked Blackpool, peeled the tangerines 4-1 on Saturday and they're now top of the table. As I say, it's a very happy Monday indeed. Hope you had a great weekend. My name is Mark Heath. I am your host as ever and the two guys with me today. Hutchie is on a, a rotation rest day. Very well earned, I'm sure, after the weekend. So with me today is the Dr. Stuart Watson. How are you, Stewie? Very well, thank you. How was Blackpool? Uh, Blackpool was good. Always helps with a good result. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll yeah. get into that in a minute. But yeah, it was, that was, uh, always helps. Journey was okay? You stayed good. over? Journey was fine, yeah. Yeah, roads are obviously a bit quieter at the moment. So um, yeah, got went up there Saturday and then we uh, we had the luxury of an overnight stay, which we haven't done for a very long time. So um, yes, that made doing the uh, the work after the game that little bit easier. And then we uh, tootled back yesterday morning. I assume you and Hutchie got right on the beers and had it large in Blackpool on Saturday night. Uh, no, because up north is a bit COVID-y at the moment, isn't it? Uh, so yeah. um, no, uh, we drove straight from the ground, straight to the hotel. I then wiped all the various light switches with disinfectant and uh, took necessary precautions, did my work, came home. <laughs> I, know you, and roll. I know you were still working at about quarter to midnight on Saturday because that's when you accidentally put up Stu Says for. Um, so I assume that was literally when you finished it on Saturday night. Oh, did that go online at that time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. Just shows how diligent you were. Now then, of course, if we were all together in a room... I'd like you to picture this, Kerry Army. We're all in a room. The man I'm about to introduce would walk in with all the swagger and bravado of Conor McGregor walking into the octagon because not only is he producer Ross, I think now the name Rostradamus is going to stick because, of course, Roscoe, your boy, Gwion Edwards, scored twice at the weekend. He's now not only Town's leading scorer, he's League One's leading scorer. Four goals in five games. Producer Ross, how the hell are you? Well... I cannot be any better. You guys all laughed. You laughed. That clip. Well, recorded. to be fair, to be fair, it was mental. That prediction. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. of us thought when you said Gwion Edwards, you'd failed to think about the question before you answered it, and just blurted out a name. Um, but now it, it's looking absolutely golden. I mean, just talking through you working out, Roscoe. Why did you pick Gwion Edwards? Before he was my boy, um, I did think he was a player there. Um, yeah. And I did say on the live pod, I did say if he plays in his proper position, which he has done at an occasion this season, he's been playing right and then he then gets chucked on the left midway through the game. But I feel if we play this formation, it seems the wingers can get goals and the midfielders are scoring goals. Um, and he's scored goals for Peterborough in League One before. So, you know, I, I fancied it. I thought, you know, I'm not going to go with a standard striker, scoring the goals. Why not a winger? And my boy Guion has shown what I thought he could do and score four goals already this season. It could not it could not be going better for you with the Guion tip because I'm obviously four goals in five games, so he's going to end up with something like 35 goals on the season. He's yep. getting assists as well. Yeah. He's looking he's looking absolutely tremendous, the boy. Oh, and just some some of the um, the touch for the fourth goal. Oh. Mm. We'll go on to that in a minute, but you know, great yeah. ball from Chambers, but oh, that touch and the turn of pace and the finish. Like that is a dream. For anybody, absolutely, um, and like, he just got his. You know, I think the whole team have got a lot of confidence. Like Toto, you know, he's got amazing confidence this season. He's playing really well, but Guion is on another level. Yeah, um, 
of course, we're not getting too carried away. It's still early days, but you know, I'm uh, yeah, I was very happy when that fourth goal went in. I was like, I was just, I was around Liam from Cruz, and I was just like, oh my god. Yeah, um, I love the fact as well now, like uh, happened with Drizzy. Um, you are now getting tagged into all the Guion stuff. Yeah. Um, I think we've got we've got Drizzy Mark too, and potentially even better the way Guion's playing this season. Fantastic stuff. Obviously, we'll talk about the game shortly. Did you have a good weekend otherwise, Ross? I know you were at the ladies, which we'll talk about later on. Big win for them yesterday. Get up to much otherwise? Loads of FIFA? Uh, not, uh, sort of. You know, I played a few games online. Um, so, some swearing at 12-year-olds, spotty 12-year-olds. <laughs> Standard. Um, so, I said, yeah, I'm not going to go online anymore. Yeah. Um, but overall, yeah. Good one. Yeah. Do you know what I was doing this weekend, boys, while you were in Blackpool watching watching town and... Roscoe, you're obviously working both days. I was using a rug doctor on my carpets. That, <laughs> my friend, is, is peak peak old age. Um, the wife is very excited about it. Uh, apparently, it regenerates and revives carpets. Um, so that's what I was doing on Saturday. And I also got an invite to have a flu jab, um, which I, I thought only happened when you were 50. So I reckon they must make have made some sort of error because I'm certainly not 50. But anyway, I digress, boys. Let's talk about the game, first of all, and then we'll talk a little bit about the season uh, as a whole and how it's going. Stuart Watson, your counterpart, Andy Warren, said uh, on last week's show and also on the excellent boot room video that you do every Friday that um, he was worried about this game and he predicted a 2-1 defeat. As it turned out, Town strolled to victory. Your thoughts, please. Clinical. One word, clinical. It was... Um, what I liked about this it was it was a... It was a different way for Ipswich to win a game. We've kind of seen in perhaps some of the early wins that it was all about sort of possession and they kept the ball really well. Um, I think in the pre-season shows we talked about the fear was that there would be, we'd fall back into this cycle of playing nice little pretty patterns of play but not really having any kind of punch at the end of it. Well, they were certainly ruthless on, on Saturday. I think they've played better in terms of dominating the game. The first 15 minutes or so was was certainly even, um, not a, an amazing spectacle. And it took that goal from Chambers to kind of spark it into life. And, and then even after it went to 3-1, there was a 10, 15-minute nervy period. So over the 90 minutes, it wasn't an utterly dominating performance, but it was just quick, incisive, clinical, ruthless when it counted, scored four goals away from home. And that's exciting. What particularly stood out for you, though? I mean, obviously, we've already talked about Guion Edwards. Luke Chambers continues to have a an Indian summer, shall we say, start to the season. Absolutely tremendous goal. Um, and what a ball that was for the fourth, the fourth goal as well. Um, uh, what stood out for you, Stewie, watching it? I'll talk about Luke Chambers to start with, because that yeah. man, he is pumped up, let me tell you, this season. Um, whatever B is in his bonnet, um, I hope it keeps buzzing around in there and, and getting him going the way it is because he um, he was on pure adrenaline after that goal went in. Have you seen the goal cam footage that the club have put out from behind the goal and you can hear someone shout, what a goal, as, it, as the ball goes in? I've got a feeling that's Luke shouting that out himself as the ball leaves his foot. I'm not 100% sure on that, but for the next 10 minutes or so, adrenaline was coursing through his veins he was shouting at the uh, opposition the referee barking at his own teammates throughout the game um you can really tell with these sort of behind closed doors games how vocal a presence he is at the back and um mm. okay he might have had his role in the in the goal that Blackpool pulled back but I during that 10 
15 minutes that I mentioned about at 3-1, I thought he was really crucial with it, with his leadership. Holy and Kenlock and a few others had, had a couple of little sort of dodgy moments and he was right on them straight away. And, and then you touched upon it earlier, the, the, the pass for the fourth goal was, uh, was something else as well, wasn't it? So, um, he had a really crucial role to play in this, but we, we could go through several. You, you've already touched upon Edwards, who was quite obviously man of the match with uh, the two goals, the assist, um, not to mention his kind of work rate and the tackling and everything else he provides as a, as a winger off the ball. Bishop, driving presence in midfield, another goal and an assist for him. Like They would be the three players that I would pick out, but um, you know, you, th- th- there's plenty of positives to take from this. Mm. The Kettering Cafu, as Hutchie has now termed Chambers, which I, which I quite like. Um, Roscoe, what what's, what stood out for you apart from apart from your? I mean, obviously you've only got eyes for Guion, um, and we do, we do need to come up with a nickname for Guion. We've got Suffolk Giggs at the moment. Someone was calling him Wizard as well, which I no, quite like. Not no, no, not for you. Well, no. you're the man that's got to come up with a nickname because he's your boy. But um, other other than than your boy, what stood out for you? Once I know we conceded, which was. Which was sad, really, to lose that clean sheet. But once again, Toa and James Wilson, you know, Hutchie mentioned that in the Andians do react, which is every game. Little plug there, of yeah. every game. Yeah. Thanks to the thanks to the boys for sorting it out for me. Um, but yeah, as I said, Toto with Guion with with his confidence, he is a, a different man. You know, last season he hurt his hamstring and was playing terribly and got loaned out to Bolton. Yeah. And got relegated with Bolton. This season, he has been a colossus at that back and just been a, a rock. Um, so that's, that's great to see. And, you know, I, I know there's a few questions in the uh, King's Anglia Army saying, yeah. um, you know, if Kane Vincent Young is fit, say tomorrow, will he play in front of Chambers? Chambers is scoring goals. He's doing amazing balls over to my boy Guion. So, you know, that, that defence won't be changing. And do you know what? Ken Locke did okay. He did okay. You yeah, know, he wasn't he wasn't great, but he wasn't bad either. Um, I think he did all right, and um, yeah, Blackpool weren't very good. That's really shall what we, got out of the game. Shall we take this? This I mean, obviously, first of all, on on the Toto point, I owe Toto NCR a massive apology. Um, I gave him that one out of ten impact chance for this season, and uh, he he shoved it right back down my uh, down my throat because uh, he is he is playing tremendous football. Um, one of the listeners, Skylard, has suggested we nickname him No No Enciala. Um, in terms of his, his defensive prowess, and I like that. Um, so that question um, from Harvey Davis, friend of the show, I'll come to I'll come to you on this, Stewie. If KVY was fit for next weekend, would he get straight back in the side, or would you keep Chambers there? And he says, imagine asking that question a month ago. <laughs> yeah, it is mad that we're having that conversation. Um, the first part to that is KVIY won't be fit tomorrow and he won't be fit the week after that. And I've they were very vague, Paul Lambert, in his pre-match press conference last week. He'll be out another month or so. Um, yet to be confirmed, but I, th- I think he is still getting a few little breakdowns and follow-up tweaks and niggles and things from what we're hearing. So they're going to tread very carefully with him. when When they say he's fit... You're not going to be there. There certainly isn't going to be the pressure to rush him back. That's for sure. The way that Chambers is playing, which is a good thing. You know, if if they'd been shipping goals or they'd be struggling, you, sometimes you then you you rush a player back sooner than they need to be and risk injury and, and whatnot. But um, no, Chambers is um, is playing really well at right back. He looks he, he looks far less of a 
a worry defensively out at right back. And he's, he's certainly got the, the fitness to get up and down at right back. Um, as as um, Ross has just said, the, the, the two lads at centre-back are just pretty no-nonsense, aren't they, really? I, I feel like we talk a lot about Toto, who's who's doing really well. But James Wilson mm. has really sort of gone under the radar with uh, with how how well he's been doing as well. Just bringing up the defensive stats from the weekend that I was looking at, it, you know, Wilson made 10 clearances in that game, mm. which is six more than anybody else. Um, he's uh, He's been really good at, at centre-back. So, um, no, Vincent Young wouldn't wouldn't walk straight back into this team at the moment. Where does that leave the, the, the two centre-back pairing playing so well? Where does that leave Luke Wolfenden, who obviously entering the season was a nailed-on opening day starter? Um, obviously, that didn't, that didn't quite work out due to in kind of issues behind beyond his control injuries and whatnot. Um, and now he's on the outside looking in, Stu. Um, I thought he was a bit casual in the trophy the other night. I have to, I have to say, I don't think he. Mm. Uh, he heard a lot of noises from Lambert during pre-season mm. about he needs to get himself going, and we're only reading between the lines here. But there, we talked a bit in the pods about there was a sense that maybe after the the new contract and the number six shirt and the Premier League interest, whether, you know, he's a laid back character and he, he needs a bit of a rocket up the arse sometimes. And that that was the feel surrounding Luke Wolfenden going into the season. Now he's had an injury. As I say, I thought he was a little bit too casual. I saw Stuart Taylor go marching up to him at half time of the, the trophy game um, last weekend. He, he was trying to spray a Hollywood pass every time he got the ball. A couple of times he dwelt on it and got sort of, dispossessed or semi-dispossessed so he's going to have to bide his time at the moment but that's that's not to say that the chance won't won't come um either for him or McGuinness and it might be that McGuinness is kind of ahead of Wolfenden in terms of once that door opens at centre-back and I'm sure it will at some stage be it through injury or as well as Toto's doing there is always the fear that there's a there's a bad game around the corner and there'll be a penalty given away and then then it will be a test of sort of what this newfound confidence is, is like for Toto. Mm. Um, so then the, when when that door opens, who, who is next in line? Is it Wolfenden or is it McGuinness, who, who Lambert has uh, really, really talked up since he's um, come in from Arsenal? Be interested to see on that one. Just on the, the Chambers thing, Dylan says um, Chambers has been very impressive at right back and it would be unfair to drop him. Plus, it feels like we need him to keep up the standards and concentration levels. Um, and Blue Soap just adds Chambers is a legend. Um, Question from Joe Fares, Stewie, which I'll, I'll just ask you and then we'll come to Ross. Um, he says, Joe, obviously Joe Fares, lad, Decima, friend of the show. Um, he says, do you guys notice anything uh, different watching competitive games behind closed doors? You touched on it earlier, Stu. Any players louder than you expected? And do you notice the importance of Luke Chambers? Yeah, yeah, I said that earlier. I think he's definitely the, the loudest presence there in that team. I've always kind of thought last season one of the big criticisms was that it was it was a quiet squad a quiet team a lot of that was based on our dealings with them in in interview processes and things like that you can't always judge it when you're sat at the top of stands and crowd noise is masking it but um I think they 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 clearly miss Stephen Ward in, in that respect when he's not in the team I know we touched upon Miles was was a lot, lot better. I thought it was a really good sort of comeback performance from him. It's always difficult stepping off the bench 
Miles Kenlock in the first half to replace an injury, and and rightly, uh, you know, we talked about him having a difficult day against MK Don. So it was that was a good comeback from him without going massively over the top. First half he was excellent. Second half uh, was a little bit more difficult for him, but you know, in terms of leadership, that's a massive downgrade for losing Ward and and Kenlock coming in. Um, Dazelle's mm. obviously a, a reasonably quiet character. Bishop, you can go go through that team really. So. I still think it's a a reasonably quiet team, but um, cha- yeah, Chambers massively. I think I've said before that Cornell is certainly someone that you can is a very vocal goalkeeper, much louder than Holy when when I've seen the two of those play. But um, still think it's a reasonably quiet team. Coming from Sindre, our Viking friend, and also the uh, the fully paid up a fully paid up member of the Luke Chambers fan club, as we know, he says my comment: Chambers was outstanding. KVY is not taking his place the way he's playing these days. So what a problem that will be to have, though, when KVY is back and if James is still playing as well as he is. Roscoe, I want to come to you on the next thing. Um, obviously, Town are scoring goals. They're, they're creating goals. It's, it's wonderful. But still, after five games, there have been no goals from a striker. When or do we start to get a little bit worried about that? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. My boy Guayon is stepping up. <laughs> uh, and... Once again, I think Hawkins is playing in that that role where he is being selfless and he's letting, um, you know, the wingers and the midfielders scoring because he's holding up the ball. He's waiting for them to to make runs, and maybe that is that role. You know, of course, mm. Norwood loves scoring, um, but you know he's injured, so it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And you know, Hawkins is not known for his striking ability anyway. You know, he's not scored many goals in his career, but. Uh, I'm sure he will be on the back of his mind thinking I need to score at some point. But I'm not yeah. I'm not getting I'm not worried about that. I think if I'll be worried if we weren't scoring, if we were only like winning one nil. Yeah. Which is oh it is okay, it's fine. But it's nice to see we're scoring and you know, you know, I said Guillaume's got four, Bishop's got three, Nolan's got three. You know, it's they're all scoring. Which yeah, is good. We, we've been begging for years, haven't we, for goals <laughs> from for goals from midfield and now now they can't stop scoring and, and the strikers can't score. Um, FPL Tractor says, striker goals don't worry me. We play a League One version of Liverpool's formation and Firmino doesn't score many for them, but he opens up things for Mane and Salah to score. I still reckon we've got to prove uh, against likely top eight sides, but this feels more solid in terms of the start than last year, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, where are we? Uh, Nigel G, question for you, Stewie, on the uh, on the striker thing. He says, uh, I'm much happier than at this stage last year, uh, performances justifying the results. Next week, conundrum though. Jackson or Hawkins to start up front. I thought Jackson looked very lively when he came on. Is there any any discussion to be had there, do you think, Stu? Not yet, but I do agree that, that Jackson was um surprisingly sharp, I thought, given the injuries when he when he came on. Um Blackpool looked very vulnerable to to pace and direct running. And again, I think that's something we talked about. I think they lacked a bit of leadership, this squad. They've addressed that with with Ward coming in, I think it also lacked a bit of pace. Um, I mean, KBY being injured was, was a concern there, but, you know, obviously Bishop's direct running, Edwards' pace, then Jackson came on and provided a bit of pace. Keenan Bennett's as well. I thought the two of them came on and, and looked lively. Um, so, yeah, that's... Um, I'm not worried about the, the goals from from up front thing at the moment. I think Hawkins is... is is the starter at the moment? He's the facilitator. He's the he's the pivot point up front. Look at his role in the um, the first goal with sort of Dazelle zipping a pass into his feet and 
laying it off out wide that you know don't underestimate those, those little touches and back to goal play that's uh, I think he's got a very important role but um, Jackson off the bench is uh, certainly now a nice weapon to have. Should of course give Nigel G his full title as friend of the show and NHS hero thank you for your service um, and obviously so you touched on it there we should mention that as well uh, Keenan Bennett's first first display in a, in a town shirt what, what did we learn about him if anything on Saturday? Uh, as described really direct uh, quick, just sort of looked like a more of a uh, traditional winger, really, instead of uh, a different type of option. I think Edwards was their only real sort of out-and-out, what you would call a winger, someone who wants to run at people, take people on, looks like he's got the beating of a marker one-on-one. Um, Judge, even Lancaster are slightly different. They're sort of players that like to drift inside and um, play passes rather than, than really go at people. So I think he, he provides a sort of a, a proper wing option, um, which will be required for uh, for certain scenarios. But Alan Judge as well, I think, has to have a lot of praise. His work rate was uh, was really good. He, uh, you know, he closed people down. That, that that was his sort of closing down that played played its part in the, the Teddy Bishop goal. Um, I know I've been very critical of him sort of playing wide and thought that he was someone that needed to play that number 10 role and then have the freedom to go where he wants. But he looks um, he looks a lot better on the right than he did on the left, that's for sure. Mm. Just a few more thoughts from the Calais Army. Ben Chaplin uh, says, great team performance, goals from all areas. It doesn't worry me where they come from as long as they come. A reassuring depth of the squad unit seems to carry on regardless. That said, I don't want the run of injuries to carry on as long as the unbeaten run. Dan Rosenblatt says the striker situation is deceptive. If they can get 15 between them, it would be a great bonus. Uh, so a few more here. Um, Rob Hughes says, when you look at some of our play this season, it's mystifying we, why we didn't play like that last year. Lambert's no rookie, but it's almost as though he's learned a massive lesson, courtesy of the fans and even Evans, not that he'd admit it, what happened during the break. Um, Chris Bennett, something we'll, we'll come on to now. Um, we're playing better than last season. We're winning games comfortably and convincingly rather than scraping 1-0 wins. Not worried about the lack of goals from strikers as Hawkins has been the only one recently and he isn't a goal scorer, but does a lot for the rest of the team, just like you said, Stu. Ross Wishart, Wishart, I can't remember how you say it, Ross, apologies. Um, in this system, I'm not too worried about the strikers not scoring. Their role, especially Hawkins, is to bring the wide men and attacking midfielders into play and take the defence away. The current goal scorer chart is evidence of this. Now then, boys, uh, Obviously, town start has been good. We've been here before, though. This time last season, after five games, the record was quite similar. Played five, won three, drawn two, so still unbeaten. Scored the same amount of goals, 11. Conceded two more at four, but obviously that was that was swelled by the uh, the 5-0 win against Bolton's under-12s. Um, the big question, Stuart, and it's one we're going to get into now, is yes, the start's been good. But we know what happened last season. So what, what are the signs that we can hang our hat on, if there are indeed any, that this start is better, more promising in terms of the overall season ahead than, than last season? Um, goals from from all over the pitch. Yeah. For one, a, a settled system, a clear identity. Um, another... Um, Winning games far more comfortably than they were last season. I look, I look back at the start of that season. The one nil win at Burton on the opening day was was a little bit nervy. They battered Sunderland at home at Portman Road and should have won that game. I think that's when Chambers made a mistake, wasn't it? That was one one. 
But then Peter Peterborough two two, they kind of nicked a point at the end there that wasn't wasn't really deserved. Wimbledon, the two one win at home, was that when Jackson scored very very late on? That was that that was a bit of a nervy victory there. Bolton, you, as you said, you can kind of park that one in terms of the mm. game. Even then, when they I keep going down that list, they beat Shrewsbury three 0 at home. I don't think that was a three nil game. When I look back at that, I remember Shrewsbury having quite a lot of. Um, you know, having having some moments in in that game, and then and I keep going down with that list. Nil nil at home against Doncaster. I don't remember anything about that game. That was just a bit of a, a rubbish game off the back of the international break. MK Dons one nil away. That was that was really sort of clinging on towards the end. One nil at Gillingham wasn't convincing. So I, it was great that they lost the losing habit last year. And I remember the conversation we always kept having was, well, they're winning. And it feels churlish to kind of criticise that because they've, you know, we talked about losing the relegation hangover and getting rid of the losing habit. They're winning games. It doesn't matter how they're doing it. And we mm. kept saying there's another gear to come. That's the exciting thing. They can go up another gear here. And it turns mm. out they couldn't go up another gear. And it was, you know, exactly what Joey Barton said. You know, it, all that hand holding is is that built on solid foundations? I don't know. And um, it turns out it wasn't. And I and I just feel this time around there is more solid foundations and there is some proper performances underpinning these wins. Brad says, um, I think Brad is one of your game day extra time um, guys, Roscoe, actually. The start to this season is streets ahead of last season's start. The identity of the team, everyone knows their roles, clear patterns of play. This side would smash last season's side at this stage 4-1. And Glory Day's artwork, our old friend Brad, says the main difference compared to last season, we've got a settled team and we have pattern to our play. I still feel we're a bit psychologically fragile, though. How would we respond to going a goal or two down? He also asked, what are your thoughts on the EFL's project Big Picture, which I know you're writing something about today, Stu, which will be online tomorrow morning. So have a look there, Brad. Um, And then Martin F just says, highest scorers in the division without any goals from the strikers. Personally, I'd say that's a good thing, not worrying. Um, Roscoe, last season when we did, uh, after midway through Town's Good Start, I think the first break that we had, we did a a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. I remember you saying at the time, they're not getting enough chances, they're not scoring enough goals, um, and, and how prophetic that turned out to be. So how would you compare <laughs> how, how how would you compare kind of this season's start to last season's start? Uh of course this is our second season in League One. So mm. we, we somewhat know what this league is all about. Um, you know, we've we played Rochdale again, which is a weird team to be playing. Teams like Rochdale, still trying to get over that. You know, Rochdale's, the Fleetwoods, Accretons. Mm. Um, you know, we are scoring. You know, we are scoring more goals. We are creating more chances. Um, I know we've got injuries, but there is some players like Teddy Bishop's fit. Um, you know, Judge is fit this season. I know he's had a a mixed bag season so far, but as Stu said, I thought he played really well um, on Saturday against Blackpool. Um, definitely when he went in the midfield. Um, but I think, yeah, some people are just stepping up. Um, as I said, like, Toto's playing better. And, you know, I, I feel, you know, we're, we're fickle. Fans, like, football fans are just fickle. You know, we we moan when we lose. We're happy when we win. Um, you know, like, last week we, against MK Don, some people were already going, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. Same story as last season. Once again, we're not getting too carried away. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to ride the wave, you know. It's nice to, it's just, I'm still trying to yeah. get over. I, I had to pinch myself. We scored four goals. Four goals. Itchwich Town scored four goals <laughs> away from home. 
I'm still trying to get over that. Saying that is just mad. Um, three, so, three you know, in the first half, absolutely rampant. That's, that's, yeah, that's, I, was, I, was, I was like thinking, I was just my, my mouth was open. I was like, what is going on? Um, I was like, <laughs> I was thinking though, what if fans were actually in the crowd? You know, in that game, like, would that be be happening? I think a lot of these games, like the Premier League, like Aston Villa smashing Liverpool seven two. Um, mm. that would that, that probably wouldn't happen if the fans are in the crowd because it would just be a different atmosphere um, mm. you know Stu of course is there watching the games I'm sure most of the games sometimes feel like training games sometimes because um, it's just you can hear them all the players speak at once and you know and shouting and swearing and all that um, but no it does feel a bit different this season um, as I said I think we sort of know what this league's about now and I think Lambert is hopefully got a bit of a plan and we're playing identity we've got that identity which i mentioned um hmm. you know and my five point plan of course chambers was part of that five point plan of saying you know yeah get rid of chambers him. i don't want you here anymore yeah. but uh you know he's, he's changed my mind a little bit he's playing really well um and let, let it continue yeah i mean obviously when chambers does the fingers in the ear and cupping the ear and being as fired up as he is, he's clearly got that bee in his bonnet about stuff that's been said. A lot of it, of course, justified after the the failure of last season. He does take a lot of flack as the captain, some fair, some very unfair. But um, if it is helping him, like you say, Sue, long may it continue um, because clearly he's, he's playing like he's got something to prove and he's doing that so far. Peter McLeod, our Amsterdam correspondent, says 12 months ago, the results were the same, but this feels different. Last season, we were lucking into wins despite playing badly. This season, the wins are on merit. Still, he says, let's not get carried away too early. And then he says, brackets, Google's Amsterdam to Norwich flights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jack Slard, a friend of the show, says, you can only beat what's in front of you. Uh, but I worry that we're getting too carried away. And he also goes on to ask about KVY and Chambers. And uh, Big John Watson, leader of the, the Northern Battalion Coa Army, <clears throat> just on the strikers thing, says, I think Hawkins will get goals. But I've been impressed with his contribution to the team. If Edwards and Co. keep scoring, does it really matter who gets them? Hawkins is unselfish. He links people up, holds up OK and brings others in. I've been surprisingly impressed. Stu, after this good start, five games in, is it fair to say the next six games or so we're going to learn a lot more about town? We start to get into games with, with, with sides you, you would expect to be up there, starting with Accrington on Saturday. Is this really going to be the kind of first test of this, this town outfit, do you reckon? Yeah, I think so. But we got, we kind of said that going into Blackpool as well, that that was going to be a bigger yeah. test. And I talked about them being potential dark horses this year. I, I think it's helping Ipswich some of the relative stability that they've had with the squad. Five five players in, wasn't a huge turnover of players. You look around the rest of the league, because of COVID, there's been vast turnovers of players. Blackpool brought in 15 players this year. There's a new manager there. You know, it's the same up and down League One. Mm. And I think I think that is helping Ipswich as well. Certainly should help them in, certainly in the first half of the season where a lot of clubs and teams are still bedding in and finding their feet. So I'll be intrigued to see as the season goes on whether A, teams start to work out how Ipswich play. We talked about having this clear identity and whether that they find ways to kind of counteract that and then how Ipswich can kind of come up with solutions. And B, I think other teams have the potential to get stronger as they kind of work out their best 11s and ways of playing themselves. So it's an opportunity for Ipswich to get off to a good start, which they're doing at the moment. But as we keep saying, there's, there's a long way to go. Um, Doncaster away is coming up. Lincoln away is coming up. Those two games, both away from home, um, look like they might be 
bigger tests because they've both started the season reasonably well. But we are talking about Doncaster and Lincoln and people like that here. And I, I don't wish to sort of do do these down. But the, these are, you know, Ipswich, have, this is year two in, in, the, in League One. They should be they should be doing quite well at the start of this season, I, I think, and uh, hope, hopefully it can continue. Yeah, I mean there is a, there is obviously an argument. I think we spoke about this me and Hutchie when the fixtures came out that, that basically Town are doing what you'd hope they would do so far. Looking at the fixtures, we we said that up until kind of Sunderland away, which is on a Tuesday night, uh, I think the first Tuesday in November, isn't it? Mm. There, there wasn't too much there that you'd think, oh, I'd I'd be worried about that as a game. Um, so we shall see. It's certainly going to get more interesting going forward. Just a, just one more question from Jason before we move on to uh, something else. Just on that, he says, um, what's the view, Stewie, in terms of the general level of quality in League One this season versus last? I know you've only seen five games so far this well, season. This, but... Yeah, this is it. We've, we've only seen Wigan, who had their entire team ripped away from them over the summer. Bristol Rovers, Rochdale, MK Dons, Blackpool... Uh, not been too impressed with any much of the MK. Obviously played played well and probably should have beaten Ipswich. Um, I was one of these that last year. I, and I've, I'm contradicting myself because I just said there. Oh, you know, doubt saying it's only X, Y, and Z. But there was a little. I think there was a danger last year that everyone was like, "Oh, this is League One," and they're getting a bit sniffy and looking down their nose at it, and we should be beating all these teams. Yeah. I'm not sure that helped, and I'm hope I'm hopeful that this year there's less of that, and that um, you know even if on a subconscious level that that kind of bled into the players' mindset a little bit as well. Like as I've said before, you know at the start of the season, or we're play- we're not even playing that well, and we're still winning games. This is how this is how comfortable this year should be for us, and may- maybe that kind of mindset's crept in a little bit. So ho- hopefully this year that what that won't creep in a little bit, but. No, it's been nothing nothing to write home about so far, has it? There's certainly been nothing that we've seen to kind of strike strike fear into us. Excellent. Outstanding. Town at the top of the table. Let's move on to something a little bit different. Um, let's do a Mark's Big Question, shall we? Mark's Big Question, 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 question. Stewie Watson, you very rarely get to pick the question. So pick me a number between 1 and 25. 23. 23 uh, is things you're really good at, which don't in any way matter. Now, for you, obviously, Stu, you you have many, many sweet skills. The um the, the pen spin would be up there. Uh, I mean, obviously, that would matter when you do eventually break the world record uh, for spins in a minute. Is there anything else you're really good at which don't really have a value? Asking myself questions. <laughs> you are tremendous at that. To be fair, oh, I tell you something else you're brilliant at, which I don't think we've ever talked about on this show. Stuart Watson, the doctor as befitting that title, is probably, I'm going to go out and say it now, is probably the best manufacturer of paper aeroplanes on the planet. <laughs> you are unbelievable at making paper aeroplanes, Stu. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'd f- forgotten about that. I am quite good at those. 
Yeah, I mean, we used to have competitions in the office and, and it, it wasn't so much a competition as a, as a coronation of Stu's planes. I mean, yours were essentially like um, Concorde compared to like a, a Spitfire from World War Two that we were we were working with. Absolutely tremendous. Uh, and one day, hopefully, we'll get the chance to show that on video. Um, yeah. Was... Yeah. Was... Uh... Go on, Russ. I don't know. I don't know. Uh... Uh... There's nothing really. You must have you must have some secret skills. Nah, no, I'm really boring. Climbing, you know, climbing. Yeah, what? I said this before. Maybe, maybe mean, not now. What, but yeah. What, what do you like climbing? You know, fences and trees and <laughs> uh, big walls. Uh, so you're yeah. one of these because obviously everyone likes to climb when they're a kid. But you're one of these these people who's never really kind of grown out of it. So you're still scaling trees. Parkour, are you? mate. Parkour, man. Parkour, 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 man. Yeah. 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 Outstanding. Um, in terms of my skills that are absolutely pointless, um, I'm pretty good at spinning a basketball on my finger. That's a little party trick. I'm very flexible. Um, I'm, I'm double-jointed on a lot of parts of my body, so I can bend stuff the wrong way. Uh, and also, I do a tremendous impression of our plumber, which, uh, unless you know our plumber, is pointless. But um, <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you, have to take, you have to take my word for it. It's spot can, on. Can you do it? Can you do it, it now? Doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Just do it. <laughs> he's very kind of uh, he's very Essex so we had a we had a shower fitted last week and uh, he came in and he said oh you got a good price on this didn't you I think I had one in my garage that's why so he, speak, he speaks he speaks like that uh, and honestly you take my word for it that is spot on that is our plumber um, but again totally pointless maybe get him to record a little message for the pod and we'll play it in we'll be we, the judge maybe we should right that's bright in my day Mark's big question <laughs> done done for another week let's talk about something which is serious um, and in no way frivolous. Transfer deadline day, Stewie. Friday, the transfer deadline slams shut. You've got to say slams shut, um, legally speaking. We are obliged to say that as members of the football media. Um, it's all going to be fairly underwhelming, though, isn't it, Stu? Yeah, this is the real transfer deadline day. We've already had transfer deadline day one, yeah. um, which had no bearing at all on Ipswich, really. This is the real quiz. Um, there... Again, yeah, you're right. I don't, it's hard to hype this one up because Lambert's pretty much already said, I don't envisage anything happening. Um, I wouldn't completely rule it out just yet because it'll only take maybe one injury or so to, to change that picture slightly. But um, I think Lambert would have quite liked to get a striker in um, after the Norwood injury, obviously drying out for a similar length of time. but. Um, They've got restrictions, obviously, with the, with the salary cap, both in terms of the the size of the squad of tw- players twenty one and over, and obviously the uh, the finances of it as well. So, um, I'd be surprised if anything else happens incoming wise. It will be more more a tale of uh, a few few of the youngsters going out on loan, I would imagine. Just on this topic, Falker Hinton on uh, on Twitter has said, "Is there still time to get someone in to give central midfield a bit of grid? Someone who's not afraid to mix it up a bit." Town feel a bit lightweight in the middle at the moment. Obviously, Down's out injured. Um, but from what you're saying, Stu, that sounds unlikely. Isn't it mad that we were talking in all of our pre-season discussions about what areas they had to strengthen? Central midfield universally was the one area that everyone went, no, ridiculously well-stocked with central midfielders. And now we've got Down's out for two or three months, Scoo's out for, what was his, 
Three or four, four or five. I think he said three months, didn't he? Three, three months. months. Yeah. Uh, so he's out. And then Nolan misses the game at the weekend with a, a slight calf strain, which we're told is just precautionary. But he had calf problems, like certainly at the start of last season. I think maybe even in the championship season as well. So that has to set some minor alarm bells ringing. Teddy Bishop, <laughs> there's always going to be question marks kind of hanging over his head as, as well as he's playing. Um, they're going down like flies at the moment. All of a sudden, I don't think there was a central midfielder on the bench at the weekend because obviously Judge played on, on the wing as well. So Hughes, if there were, he was a bit rusty, I have to say, at the weekend. He, he gave the mm. ball away a few times, was a little bit rushed. And the caveat there is obviously he's not he's not played a huge amount of football, certainly this season, um, and was kind of easing his way back after a long-term injury last year. So... Yeah, I, I, we talked about it at MK that they needed to get someone on to to add a bit of bite and a bit of grit, and that was Downs, and now he's injured. When they come up against a team that's a bit more physical, might that be a problem? Possibly. I still can't see them going out and signing a midfielder, though, I have to say. Mm. Stu, what's your... T- we, um, me, Ross, and, and Hutchie talked about Armando Dobra last week, obviously after his, his goal and display against Gillingham in the, uh, in the Elf Trophy and the loan or keep debate. Um, I think we all ended up on the side of loan. Um, and obviously he was linked with Crawley yesterday by the Sun on Sunday. What, what's your take on the, on the Dobra thing? Is he someone you'd be looking to, to loan out? I thought you guys summed it up really well in, in the last pod. I'm, I'm on the fence, but leaning more towards get him out on loan if it's the right one. I think that's that's the kind of conclusion you guys came to. And I think that's right. Mm. It has to be... For me, he's better out going out and playing 30-odd games and going down the sort of Wolfenden Downs route, get a proper year of men's football under his belt, um, smooth off a few raw edges, which undoubtedly there is. I think everyone saw the goal he scored against um, Gillingham the other night and gets really excited about that. They might not have seen his first half where he was a little bit greedy at times and he, he holds on to the ball and he, and he can run into some dead ends. He, he's a bit of a... You know, the way they talked about Rooney when he first sort of burst through, a bit of a street footballer, just wants the ball, has got a little bit of that nice aggressive aggressive edge to to him, which I don't think you can you can learn. I'm really excited about what the future holds for Dobra, but um if they can get him the right loan, I, I think that'll be more beneficial both to him and, and the club in the long run. Yeah. I'm all right in saying that it's probably in terms of Friday's deadline day, it's it, it's more kind of who departs, isn't it, than anyone who comes in, really? I, I would imagine so, yeah. Although I think there's been a rethink because of the injuries. We, you know, Lambert's obviously said that clearly Ndarbo was, was going to go out and get some football. That's been put on hold because of the until they know sort of where Stephen Ward is at um, because he's another le- left-back option for them if, if required. The same, I would imagine, will be the case with Brett McGavin for the for the same reasons that we just talked about the very central midfielders that have gone down and you might need to keep him in the building so there might not be quite as many sort of loan departures as uh, mm. as there would have been before and clearly going into it um had downs not been injured the big storyline would have been whether downs would depart but uh, i mean clubs don't sign injured players do they so that's i'm assuming that's something we don't have to worry about on friday no, that's that's not going to happen now, is it? And I think in terms of his sort of time frame for recovery, you're looking at the new year now before he's back. If you're talking about three months from now, we're mid-October. So 
that could certainly take us to the start middle of January and then how does that affect the January window as well so mm. um but no that that's certainly off off the cards I think the the injuries up front takes the Jackson scenario off off the table which I'm not ever sure was as live as as we were led to believe sort of by national reports at the time as as Andy has said as well so it doesn't look like there's going to be anything too dramatic. Roscoe, um, it doesn't sound like much is going to happen. Do you think Town need to do anything on Friday? Would you like to see him bring in a striker? What do you reckon? Mm, honestly, it depends what's what's about, really. You know, I won't be seeing us spending millions of pounds because no. can't can't with COVID situations. Um, yeah. And with the salary cap, it will likely be a, a player on the 21. So there may be a loan about, maybe. Mm. Um, maybe Lambert will get a call saying, yeah, this guy is available if you want him, if you need that strength and depth. Because you, you just never know, like, I don't want to jinx it already, but you never know with Norwood, you never know with Drynan. Mm. You know, they, they could have a hiccup and they could maybe be out maybe longer than they first feared, you know. Mm. Um, and other players like that, you know, there could be, a, you know, a problem. They could come back training and then something else happens. So maybe just have that back up just in case but depends if there's an, a player available but hmm. you know it's normally a, a standard tweet or a standard you know story saying quite day expected at <laughs> Road. Yeah. yeah well I mean obviously it doesn't sound like anything's going to happen but please do follow it with us across all social medias and online Stu that's right it's still be still be fun though yeah exactly <laughs> there's, there's, there's still other stuff that will happen in the league which will be all over uh, big moves departures all that kind of stuff so that's all to come on Friday. Obviously, we'll talk again on, on Thursday um, ahead of that, hopefully. Um, Roscoe, something else which happened at the weekend we need to get in before we take our leave. The ladies were in action, and boy, were they in action yesterday. Um, they they won just just 10-0 um, against Cambridge United. T- tell us the story. Were they that good? Were Cambridge United that bad? Who scored? Give us, give us it all. Yeah, once again, I had my mouth open thinking, what is happening? It was 7-0 at half-time. <laughs> I was just like thinking, am I seeing what I'm really seeing? Um, you know, it's a, I'm on the fence on, were Cambridge that bad or were we that good? Um, it is sort of 50-50 in that way. Cambridge defensively were not great. Yeah. Um, but then Town they were just ruthless and they were playing some really good football. I think if you want to watch some football, unfortunately you can't watch the, you know, the town men's first team at the moment. If you want to go um, and watch some football, you know, that it's, it's a really entertaining football down at the mm. town women's team. Um, you know, Natasha Thomas scoring a hat trick, um, her first three goals of the season. So I think she's pretty happy. She's on um, scoring three goals. And as a striker, if you want to see a striker scoring goals, the town women are scoring. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, then, who, who, who else scored? So, Sophie, uh, Sophie Pescott, player of the match. Yeah. She was unreal on the wing. She scored twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anna Gray scored. There's an own goal, standard own goal. Always happens yeah. in a 10 goal game. And then I think the other goal scorer, Paige Peak, scored a penalty. I think that's all. Oh, and then um, substitute Zoe Barrett and Amy Lee. Abraham came off the bench and scored. I have to try to remember all the goal scorers. Just, just the two extra goals there, yeah, yeah in, in a 10 0 win. So I assume, how many how many games have they played in the league so far, Ross, the ladies? So four games, top of the league, like the men. No goals conceded so far in four games. 18 what? goals scored. Wow. Okay. So, well, they're going to stroll to the league title, aren't they? I mean, they would have done last season, wouldn't they, had, uh, had it not been scrapped by COVID. Um, so do, when are they next playing, Ross? Do you know when they're next at home? 
So they got the FA Cup on Saturday, um, Sunday, this Sunday yep. coming um, against Peterborough North Star or Northern Star. Right. So, um, is that is that at home or? Yeah, that's at Felixstowe, so the Seasiders. So Brilliant. If you, if you fancy a game of football on Sunday, that, once again, this could be a, a lot of goals in this because I think they're a team below, but the oh. FA Cup can, can always surprise her. You never know. 15 nil then, by the sound of it. Um, at what time does it kick off at Felixstowe? Uh, 2 p.m. 2 p.m. And how much did it cost the game? Uh, so they've got a new uh, membership thing called Drew, uh, True Blue, so I think that's a £5 a month if you want to sign up to that or it's I think six pound an adult and then three for under 16 and I think three pound for a concession I think okay well you sold that well Ross so if you want to see some some Ipswich Town football you can actually go along and watch the ladies on on Sunday in the FA Cup the strikers are scoring goals as well and it sounds like you're going to see quite a few of them so get along there if you can Watson, have you got anything else you would like to discuss um politics of the day EFL big project anything like that I need to gather my thoughts fully on that because I'm going to pen something on it this afternoon. But my my first instinct is this is just a a, a step too far for me in terms of kind of the it's just really it just smells of opportunism that while sort of the lower leagues are on their are on their backsides with uh, with all the COVID problems that the, the the big boys have smelt an opportunity to kind of grab a bit more power. We've already all the e E Triple P stuff has, has sat really poorly with me for quite some time in terms of they got their Category 1 clubs and then they've moved the goalpost to make that a closed shop. Now it seems like part of me just thinks just sod off and form your Super League, which is clearly what you've wanted to do for some time at the moment. Um, I just mm. wish someone was fighting a bit more for the EFL. It doesn't feel like Rick Parry is kind of uh, doing that. doesn't sit right with me that he's, he's had roles before at... Um, Liverpool and the Premier League and stuff. I, I want someone that's fighting for the EFL as a brand a little bit more. Mm. Um, but it's it's a lot of money on the table. You know, it's twenty five percent of the the money's coming in at the top end being redistributed, and that can't be uh, that can't be sniffed at. And um, it just feels like it's uh, almost a bit of a bribe, really, a bit of a you know putting real pressure on people because the alternative is clubs clubs will disappear without some money coming coming from above and it shouldn't be coming from the government i agree with that so uh very interesting times for the for the pyramid for the politics of football um yeah we'll see how it all pans out i look forward to reading that piece that will be online tomorrow 6am and also in print if you still buy the old-fashioned print product god bless you uh roscoe anything else to mention no it's the end of it just um make sure to check out my fifa career mode series yes uh, obviously, um, you ran the first sim as well, didn't you? Before the weekend, it predicted a one 0 win, so it got the it got the uh, the triumph right. Um, Hawkins, I think, scored, didn't he? Did, in that. Yeah. So the, yeah. the, the result wasn't accurate, and the scorer wasn't, but the overall tone of town winning was. So do keep following that simulation and your career mode, of course, with you looking like the love child of Leo Messi and Frank Ribery yeah. um, on the sideline. I want to mention, I know people like uh, Netflix and, and general TV recommendations. I've just started watching something called The Haunting of Bly Manor which on Netflix, which um, I don't know if any of you watched The Haunting of Hill House, which is on Netflix last year which uh, was was horrible terrifying um i am i am pathetic with with anything ghost based um as Stu, i think you can attest to i remember you were in the cinema when i was um the wife dragged me along to watch the woman in black and i spent the entire time just with my hands literally crushing the armrests um 
slasher movies, I'm fine with. They're great. Anything to do with the paranormal and ghosts and, and that feeling there's going to be a, a scare, you can see it coming a mile away. Someone's closed the, the cupboard door. It's got a mirror on, and then suddenly there's someone behind them in the mirror. I hate that. Anyway, Haunting of Hill House, one of the worst things I've ever seen and the best things in terms of horror. Um, and this is the sequel. What they've done this time is they've gone, right, what worked last time? We've got a, a spooky old house. Check. We'll do that again. We've got ghosts in the house. Check. We'll do that again. What didn't we have last time? We didn't have two spooky little wide-eyed children oh, no. with, with, with terrible English accents. Right. We'll get them in. Uh, and we didn't have any dolls that moved. Um oh. Brilliant. Let's get dolls in. Uh, so, yeah, you, you, you get the idea of where it's going. Um, <laughs> I'm forced to watch an episode a day, which leaves me um, very much upset because, as I say, it's, it's not my thing. But it is enjoyable uh, once it's finished. <laughs> so that would be my recommendation. Have a great week, everyone. Um, we'll speak to you again, hopefully, on Thursday, a little bit more um, on what's been going on in Towns Week and also potentially, hopefully, maybe some news of, of something that might happen on Transfer Deadline Day. Uh, but until then, we'll take our leave. Um, follow us across all the social medias, Kings of Anglia on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes, which reminds me, I can't depart without leaving, without reading out the review we've had from Stephen Talbot. This is the latest five-star review on iTunes. Helps us in the uh, visibility in the charts, like I was always saying. That's true. It says, hi, boys. This is five stars, obviously. Never miss a podcast. I haven't for four years. As a supporter of 33 years, it's the best town coverage I've ever known. Even though supporting town over the last 10 years has been about as appealing as hanging my hairy beanbag inside a hungry Labrador's mouth, your podcast continues to shine such a light on my week in these dark days. Keep up the good work, boys. Up the town. Um, so, Stephen, there, obviously... Uh, hooking on to our, our fondness for discussing testicles in everything that we do, um, and therefore ensuring that I'd read that out. So fantastic. Um, beanbag. So, beanbag. Be you never heard beanbag? Bean yeah. You never heard that before? Uh, I'd, I'd just go with ball bag if I'm honest, but we can go <laughs> with beanbag. I like creativity, so beanbag's good for me. Um, right then, boys, we better get on. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a oh, fine Just first quickly. Ball. Just quickly, uh, I know you're going to be doing this with with Hutchie on Thursday. Ask him about the ultimate carvery roast dinner that he uh, that we both took on in Blackpool at the weekend. Um, yeah, you've, yeah. You've also got to discuss the. I know a lot of people are interested in the um, the kilogram burrito that he needs to now take on after Ipswich uh, won by three uh, clear goals away. If you remember, yeah. that was something that we discussed before. I'll I'll let him take that one up on Thursday. Don't you worry, my friend. It's on the list for Thursday. Hutchie's got to consume a, a kilo of meat um, after Town won at the weekend. And obviously, we need him to be here to talk about that. But that, that's something to look forward to, KO Army, on Thursday. I was breaking that down. Uh, but until then, have a great first part of the week. And we'll speak to you again on Thursday. From true crime to football, Brexit to football. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.
Archon.